0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Sober Experiment podcast with Alex and Lisa. Our podcast is for anyone and everyone, whether you're still drinking, thinking about ditching the booze, or you've already quit alcohol for good. Our podcast is raw and still unedited to this day.
1: Join us and our guests for tears, emotion, and some hilarious laugh out loud moments. Season 2 is sponsored by Lunar Holistics. Lunar Holistics offers a wide range of professional home study courses, including counselling, life coaching, and NLP. They also offer courses in beauty therapy and for the more spiritual minded of you, they've got courses in tarot, palmistry, astrology and psychic development. So if you've been considering a new career or you want to learn just for fun, no matter where you are in the world, Lunar Holistics will enable you to gain a fully recognised, accredited and insurable qualification and no previous academic qualifications are required. Lunar courses are easy to follow and you can study from home at any time that suits you. We're really excited that Luna has offered to sponsor this season as everything that they do aligns perfectly with our core values. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half.
0: Hello, Lisa. Hi, Ali. It's always so weird when we're sat next to each other. <laughs> when we've already just done a full podcast. I oh, know. Oh, you know what? We are so excited today, aren't we, about our next guest. I think I say this every week. Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah, I'm going to shut up saying We it. just have such an
1: exciting time we all the time. we do. But we genuinely, genuinely, genuinely are because we've got... We've got Kate and Mandy from Love Sober. Now, this is a little bit of a surprise episode. We've squashed yeah. them in, haven't we? And I am so glad that we did because it's it's a proper treat for you all. Yeah, it's amazing. You'll enjoy it. So hello, Kate
0: and Mandy from Love Sober. It's so exciting to get you back after our sober session. I
2: know, so
3: nice to see you. How are you both? uh yep i've Fair got
2: enough. conjunctivitis so i've got very good lighting kind of throwing in my eyes so i don't look quite as bad as i actually look which is like
1: you <laughs> definitely wouldn't know <laughs> <What are> you <laughs> don't. So if you see me like this
2: <laughs> just say stop it <laughs> all right it's been some tricky times but today is, a, is a, yeah. today's a good day yep
3: and what about you, Kate? How have you been? All well, right. I'm really tired today. I'm like, I had a... I had some... Um, we <laughs> oh, we're so weekend. empathetic, aren't <laughs> <laughs> <You're> we, <like>, right? <laughs> yeah, I got chickens at the weekend. Like, got these three hens, right? And um, we had a bit of a drama last night because basically... They went missing, right? <laughs> oh. uh, my daughter was like completely distraught. Like she just, she's just in love with her hen, right? We've all oh. we've got a hen. Me and the kids got a hen each. And then, yeah, so basically it was just really dark and we were like, we've got to put the hens away. And then it was like, oh, did we all do that? And then we're like, where, where are they? <laughs> where are they? And um, yes, yeah, so we were running around the garden trying to find them. And, like, yeah, I mean, I was just like, that's it, you know? That's it. They've gone. Anyway, we did, like, there's not really a punchline to the story because thankfully we did find them behind this kind of plant pot. But I was totally, I think I'm a bit traumatized. Like, I don't think I'm quite over the drama of it all.
1: Of all the things I thought when we was going to talk today, I never expected you to come out with that. <laughs> I just
0: thought, I was thinking about that in all the podcasts we've done, we've had some really strange stories, but that is definitely the best one. <laughs> <laughs> the missing, <laughs> <laughs> missing... The
1: saga
3: of the missing hens.
1: Oh, I'm glad you found them, though.
3: Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, if the thing is, I might have had to cancel if we hadn't found them, because... Odd so the moral of the story is, with, is shut the get,
2: the
0: chicken
3: gate. <laughs> the chicken gate. <laughs> no, they flew. Like I clipped their flight weather, flight feathers, flight feathers, and they still flew out of this fucking. Sorry, I've already sworn. <laughs> it's in like pen an f bomb in the first
1: five minutes. <laughs> an imposter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. And I guess that's the main thing. Maybe the moral of the story is you can never clip a bird's wings. Oh, deep. I love it. I love it. It's metaphorical. And never having your wings clipped. You two are living it up massively at the moment with the book and your new courses and everything else. So let's go back to the beginning, if you don't mind, and take it in turns to talk about your journey to sobriety, if
1: that's all right with you. Yeah. Well, yes. the journey to sobriety and journey to this bit. Oh, amazing! I have got to say, honestly, it's fantastic, and we recommend it to all of our members. Don't? Yeah, we? yeah. And, and if I get stuck when somebody asks me a question, I'm like, where's Kate and Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and thank you, for like, <laughs> I me. Mean, we are saying that, you
0: know, with humor, but genuinely, there's things in there that we've been dipping into. To help other people, and I think that's really important. That this isn't just for you know people getting sober or people who've got sober, but people who are coaching people to get sober are going to get massive mm. benefits from your book. It's brilliant. Aww.
2: Aww, yeah, we love, love, love it,
0: guys. Thank you. But yeah, that's the beginning. Yeah, that's the beginning. Who's so yeah, hey, going do you
3: first. Want to go first? Do I want to go first? Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm trying to give a potted version. Really, but I guess my sort of roots with it are a bit generational and a bit uh, mental health because as a kid and a bit neurodiverse, like I had a bit of an epiphany recently when I realized that there's, a, there's certain things about me that I realized that I wasn't a you know highly sensitive person, I have sensory processing. Stuff like I'm really sensitive, but I just thought that's how everyone was. Like I always thought, people, you know, like I can't eat in a room if the lighting is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and my family I just said so I was a diva, right? But like, you well, two are actually. a nightmare together. <laughs>
1: That's not <laughs> straight. Well, the lighting's not right.
3: I'm not in that with you, So true. It's like how we get anything done between us is a bloody miracle. Well, isn't well it? it's because we're like we're kind of off. we are
2: yin and yang. Like I'm so. It was funny yesterday. We were like just practicing on you know on Canva doing logos for, our, and the logos that we chose were so you know what personally specific like kate's was like yeah. bright pink with like loads of like stuff it was all bubble writing you know very much right size and mine was like very kind of like yeah. quite masculine and sort of stuff you're me mandy yeah yeah <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then black and white blonde 12 yeah
2: like,
3: exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway, go back. to Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so I did that, you know, and it's that cultural piece as well, I guess, you know, as I've pieced it together over the last few years, and I've been talking about it quite a lot recently, how much of that sort of teenage journey and just not, it was never an option not to drink. Like it never occurred to me. It was just that right of passage, but I took to it. And the first time I remember that I got drunk was at my brother's. It was like an engagement party. Um, and I just remember just sitting in the loo and I just went, Oh, I feel, I remember this, the wallpaper was this kind of weird Paisley wallpaper. And I went, Oh, I feel happy. Like I literally went, I feel happy because that was not a regular occurrence. And then I went, Oh, I'm drunk. Like, and then it's literally. I reckon that that I was saying so the neural pathway the size of the M1 was forged in that moment in the loo in oh, Portsmouth in 1983. In Portsmouth. It's all glamour, and um, <laughs> yeah, and and I guess I just yeah, I I always had a thing with it, you know, and but I it took me ages to piece together the yeah the cultural piece that you know. Then I did this whole thing where I just I looked like I was doing all right. I think I had enough tools somehow just about after I left uni to, I got very good at distracting and being busy and, you know, just managing to get by and had a good job in London. Um, But, but underneath the surface was, you know, a lot of anxiety. Um, And I just had this big disconnect from myself Like I think a lot of people do have. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, it you know, I was like binge drinking, but everyone else was. I was counting my units and thinking, well, I shouldn't. I should go to the gym rather than drink wine, you know. And it all looked kind of, it didn't look that bad on the surface, but underneath I was really, really struggling. And that's what what I think happened. It was really like the surface of the pond, to use another bird metaphor, was was (laughs) fairly sort of, you know smooth and underneath i was paddling 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 and i ended up having to paddle even harder and harder and harder and then i guess with motherhood um you know i always say that was an unholy shock to the system and that sort of exacerbated you know my my world sort of narrowed um as a result of of moving to a new area moving away from friends and deciding that i we didn't have any support, so I was the one at home. My husband was working really late every night in London. And just, yeah, it just sort of became the, the, the go-to for, for a lot, like commiserating, celebrating. And I just feel like I sort of ended up, again, I was counting units, I was watching units, so it didn't look like I didn't look that different to a lot of the mums around but I was really, really struggling and I think I was very lonely. And yeah, and it just was feeling awful to me. So it's almost like the other piece of it is quite odd because I was like really into health and nutrition and and yoga. And yet then I would go and binge drink and smoke loads of fags and it was like this real opposites and then so I think when I became a mum the chasm sort of widened as well and this disconnect this bits of me that weren't fitting together that didn't really make any sense It, it just widened and it became more and more and more difficult for me to kind of cope with myself I guess and so luckily I'd gone to the doctor a few times as well I'd gone to say look I'm just not feeling all right about this and I'd gone to adaption I went to like an alcohol counsellor, like just going, This doesn't feel right. And each time they were like, we'll count units. Why well, don't count units? And it was like that I didn't have the vocabulary to say that is the problem. This is the prison I'm living in. This is a mental yeah. health nightmare. And it's awful. Like I was just like because I just thought drinking was normal. So I, I didn't have that perspective. So yeah, um, so then I found Soberistas 2013 and that was the piece that was like, oh, it didn't scare the living daylights out of me. I connected with people, I blocked for the first time and, you know, that's where I met Mandy, um, you know, and I, and I stopped and that was really, the, that was my, my first stop and that was for 13 months and then I thought I was fine. And I did that back and forward for a bit. And then I stopped and then I put, I realized I didn't have the self-care piece. Like I'd managed to stay sober, but I didn't have the mental health tools, didn't have the self-care tools. I didn't have the what next. I didn't have the love sober. I'd sort of had the get sober and hang on to sober, but I didn't have the stay sober and love sober bit. So um, that was the next bit of the journey. And I think about four and a half years since the continuous now from that wow moment. yeah
0: that's amazing can I just tell you something that you were saying then and it, this is complete well it's now off topic because it was ages ago but it's, you've just really reminded me of something from my youth where I used to go running with a friend and at like half mile to mile point stop and have a fag <laughs> like, <I'm joking. laughs> it's so, <laughs> like, hilarious what the hell? I mean, that, there's like smoking and exercising
1: and then there's smoking and exercising. <laughs> Kate said that, um, you know, you was drinking and smoking loads of bags. It's like looking at you now, I just can't I even can't imagine. imagine.
3: So weird, isn't it? I always find yeah. that about sober people. It's like, yeah. yeah, you can't imagine, you can't imagine it now at all.
1: Yeah, it's, and the highly yeah. sensitive person, I can't. I relate to that a lot as well. It's weird, I've, um, I'm having tapping. Mm. Yeah, I am. You're doing doing that you call I'm, like, I'm yeah, doing Yeah, the,
3: the EFT stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, like. yeah. I'm working with um, a lady called Katie, and she's fantastic. But she actually said to me this Friday, have you ever, ever done the highly sensitive person test? Mm. Um, so that's something that I'm going to do this week because said it and explained it to me I was like oh maybe I really am so yeah. great story as well about the wellness and the health you were running a wellness group while you were going out getting sloshed yeah it was and yeah, it were massive as well it was like every Saturday morning. I was going in, telling people to be, uh, to be healthy and live a wonderful lifestyle oh. after themselves, to do self-care, to eat well. And then, literally, I would finish my group, go home, throw my stuff in the conservatory, open a bottle of wine, and get blitzed for two oh, days. Do the group but Yeah, no, that only ever happened once. Yeah. That I, I went in after no sleep, and I never did that again. That was awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow talk about that oh, it's more. quite common though isn't it I think yeah. that with, with women oh yeah we because totally. we've been told that it's that sort of self care piece and it's fine you know it's fine to have a you know that goes with the gym you know gym yeah. and gym you know I do uh,
0: realise just how common it is because you know I'm saying that about Lisa but actually I when I lived in Cyprus drove to work drove to work teaching in a classroom <laughs> very hungover, probably still drunk. Yeah. Mm, and you know, like nobody, they must have known, looking back, I must have looked bad, smelt bad. They'll have known I drove there. And you know, and that's not just in Cyprus, that's anywhere. This is, mm. nobody's, nobody's challenging anybody for their mistakes or behaviours or whatever you want to label it. You know, if somebody had said to me, hang on a minute, this isn't right, nobody else is doing this. Maybe I, I doubt it, but maybe I'd have, Stood up and thought, oh, you know, a lot sooner than I did, there's some issue here. Yeah. Yeah. In honesty, I'd have probably said, oh, piss
3: off, I'm doing what I want. But that's, (laughs) you know, like, in, in honesty. And it is part of the process, I think. Like, so for me, I mean, we've talked about this, haven't we, man? That, you know, when you start to, when you enter that period where you're starting to question your drinking, it's, so it's like your, con- your pre-contemplation, aren't you? They call it pre-contemplation to contemplation. And you, what you, it's very normal to look outside at that point. So what you do is you check the, con- you know, your confirmation bias. You, it's very normal. Let's check the herd. Let's see what the herd is doing to get a gauge. And that, for me, went on for ages. It was like, it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't feel right to me, but I had no confidence, you know, in that relationship with myself. And it was like constantly trying to get feedback from the outside world of the normative drinking culture that was telling me it was just fine and it literally, but internally it wasn't fine, you Yeah, know?
0: And, and that's that what I was going to say, people. when you grew up like we did in the pubs and that's all you see, yeah. there is no other normal. Is that the there was no other
2: normal. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of had that that opposite sort of thing, like living in France, where it's like everyone else was sort of seemingly doing another behaviour. And I was like, Well, they seem to be able to do it by car. Yeah. <laughs> so there was like, oh, well, like if I must try really, really hard because it's like it's so different culturally. So I knew that like being drunk as a female in France was very badly seen but at the same time like everyone's drinking and I was just like really confusing and I was just like well I'd, yeah yeah but it is
0: But that was a bit like you know why am I the only one who can't get this right wasn't yeah. it you, and
2: you're kind of gauging yourself on a whole different culture and society yeah yeah exactly a whole yeah. different kind of mm-hmm. developmental kind of culture education around alcohol you know it's like it's very different when you know because you see there's they're very, there's very much a protocol of like you know sort of one drink with that meal one drink with another meal then it's like there and then it's coffee and everyone's having coffee and I'm like I was I'm like I want a coffee yeah I've yeah. been you having have the shots little coffee. yeah but then there was that other side was that you know because it had always been quite cool and it was something that my husband liked about me because it was like God you're not like other French girls you, you know, he liked that I don't really wear makeup, he liked that I was a feminist he liked that I was kind of you know, had my own mind and wasn't pretty if you know what I mean so I would be there was that sort of thing that like so all the girls would be sitting around going oh with their cups of tea this is so stereotypical (laughs) (laughs) really nice women but I would be like with the lads you know all the men drinking cognac you know and smoking and stuff so it was like that thing of like yeah this is really cool and it's like it's actually not it was really cool (laughs) until then I couldn't like speak and had a blackout and
0: yeah, oh, yeah oh which is is kind of the way it goes isn't it so do you, do you want to talk us through how you got to blackout point then Mandy before you gave up
2: yeah um oh blimey um yeah I mean I guess I started drinking pretty young you know like 13 I was always quite um naughty uh, kid like I definitely wasn't very secure in my own self so I was always kind of searching to be liked like always kind of never satisfied in my friendship groups I was always like right no like oh no they I think they're a bit cooler like like, see if I can hang out with them like I was always I always had shit loads of friends and always managing loads of different groups which is actually like a skill now like I'm really good at networking (laughs) and I can pretty much get on but anyway, I definitely didn't have that kind of, yeah, that sort of secure sense of self as a little kid. Um, so, and I didn't really have any boundaries. I didn't really know what boundaries were, so I was always pushing, you know. And I think because my parents had quite difficult, you know, childhoods, they were, I mean, they're amazing people, super loving, super kind of um, committed as a family. And, but I found it quite sort of exhausting, and also, I didn't know where the limits were because it was like I could just get away with stuff. I was basically quite feral. <laughs> <as a kid>. <laughs> <laughs> like um, Yeah, and so just used to sort of run riot, really. And then, you know, started smoking really young, started drinking, started doing drugs, like started just going to festivals. I mean, I was looking, I mean, I went to... I don't know how, I basically just lied a lot. I mean, I was, you know, I'd go to raves and come back in, in, you know, the boot of people's car, random people's car, like so much dangerous stuff at like quite a young age. Going to festivals when I was like 15, going away for, you know, sort of four or five days, not sleeping and all that sort of thing. Um, had kind of some pretty traumatic experiences within that time, um, which I'm not really up for chatting about today but you know a lot of trauma um and then just kind of put it in a box and you know put it away really um and was just like right I'm not ever going to talk about that stuff and then hoped it would go away (laughs) um and then we moved to so then I kind of yeah quite pretty heavy kind of hedonistic sort of 20s lots of you know, clubs, pubs, parties, dinner parties. Then I met my husband who's French and then it was very much like dinner parties, lots of kind of... Um, yeah big weekends we had this great flat in Brighton and it was massive and people would just come and stay and I mean I always used to think it was great because I'd like I'd send off my friends they'd all be like you know puking like "Boy, man and I'd be like yeah like wicked <laughs> sort <of> weekends." <laughs> you know? and, and, and wonder why they didn't want to
1: kind of come back but, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought was, yeah, I thought it was a I'd have loved that that apartment in my head yeah. oh my goodness and you like,
0: did a simple thing with shots you used to go and get everybody shots and make them have shots yeah, I hate yeah a
2: lot of kind maybe of a neighbour loads I mean I was really bad really bad for that kind of stuff and just didn't know any different like everyone drank around me everyone was you know that was the scene in the 90s it was very kind of Ladder, like, faux feminist kind of idea that, like, I was going to be, I drink like the lads and, you know, had loads of male friends. Um, And then, yeah, we kind of, I guess, well, interestingly, I met my husband's sister and she's a teetotaler that's never drank. So she was like this really kind of cool, chic, beautiful Parisian woman who drank tea and read loads of books. And I was like, sure, what? <laughs> yeah. And she'd go to festivals and she'd listen to music. She had really brilliant taste, but she never drank. And, I, and then that was my sober curiosity, basically. Yeah. Like, Hang on a second. How does this work? Because, you know, drinking made me a person I didn't really like. I was really aggressive. I was really loud. I was really, um, yeah. Got myself in trouble. Um, and that was when I was 20, uh, 24, 24, yeah, I met, no, 22, I met my husband.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so yeah, so be curious since the age of 22, how crazy is wow. that? Um, and then we took a year out because i put on loads of weight and wasn't feeling very great. And we kind of both knew my husband's a bit older and he was like sort of slowing down and he kind of wanted to sort of change. So we took, we, we were starting to do like detox in January. Um, and then we decided to take six months out. And so that was when I was 26 and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, wow, you know, we did loads of different stuff. We went to the market, you know, we bought loads of lush food, um, and, felt really great was like, right, let's change our life. Let's move to France. Let's have a baby, blah, blah, blah. So my sobriety has always been connected to massive change in, in my life. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we moved to France, um, had a baby. And then as soon as I could drink again, you know, I did cause I breastfed for sort of six months. Um, but I did drink when I was breastfeeding and as soon as it was back in, it was just like became that release really from the stress. And when I had my daughter, I think a lot of my PTSD came to the surface because I was all of a sudden, you know, looking after this tiny, fragile little girl. And I'd done so many dangerous things to myself and hadn't always survived them very well. And I was just like, "Oh my god, like I can't deal with." like how can i keep her safe basically like yeah. how, can, how can i and so i was just panicked all the time um and then i had my son like 19 months later and um and then i had a i think i had um i, ha- I think i had postnatal depression after i had him because all of a sudden i was like i d- loved him and then my daughter was like i don't get it and there was this horrible horrible thing going on um Yeah sorry this is really long Um, so I'll I'll tidy it up so basically all sort of culminated my drinking was getting a lot worse at that period I went back to work was like yay like you know it's really successful in my job working in university all the students loved me so then I was like back to being that you know getting sort of recognition from them you know and so I started drinking with a cool one yeah so I started drinking with the colleagues and after we go to the bar after work and then it was like then I'd rush home in my heels to get the kids completely knackered hadn't eaten had like three beers you know strong Belgian beers because I lived in the north of France as well and then we would like try to manage dinner and then like have a glass of wine and you know, so oh god, it's making me feel so tired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. to I'll go back to right. that, you must be like so relieved. Yeah, and my husband was working away, so he had you know, like when we moved, he was basically away ever since the kids were babies. Because he, when we moved, he moved with a new job. That's why we moved to France. So he was away trying to like establish his career. So he was away like Tuesday to Friday, and I was just on my own, just without not even really speaking speaking French, you know, with two babies, and just, yeah, sort of, so wine became my best mate, really, it was just yeah, like, that right was, my, that was my, my thing, and then it all culminated in me kind of having a, a burnout, like I got really, really, I sort of, what I was doing was I'd like, I'd be kind of sorting, sort of managing at home, and then I'd go away for like crazy weekends, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm back, you know, and all my, because I, I was, sort of I had my kids at 26 and 28 so most of my friends were still partying pretty hard so I'd go for these crazy like festival weekends and then come back um yeah and so actually looking back now I do think I probably was in quite a lot of danger because when I detox and I was just like right that's it I'm not smoking anymore I'm not drinking anymore I'm not doing anything anymore um then I actually sort of had a proper kind of hallucinations, sweating kind of fit. So now I know in retrospect, like I probably should have gone to be detoxed in a hospital. So thank fuck I, you know, was okay. And the next day my husband took me to the doctors and I had to write down everything that had been going on um, for him, you know, so because I couldn't speak French, you know, sort of to sort of get help. So that was quite like, he was like, my wife's, you know, doesn't think she, she should live, she thinks she's a terrible mother, she thinks she's has a drinking problem, you know, she she hates her life, la la la, you know. Um, so then I went on antidepressants and then I realised that she needed to stop drinking, then I went on Sober esters and got sort of support that way, stopped drinking for a year, felt fantastic, thought woohoo, right I'm going to quit my crazy job I'm going to be a stay at home mom. let's move to the seaside so we moved like 700 kilometres to the seaside um, and then was like oh shit I don't know anyone how can I make friends so then started drinking again and it was never as bad as it was I moderated rah, 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 but it was just every sort of two three months I'd say to my husband wasn't I happier when I didn't drink at all yeah and, be like, yeah. and I'd be like okay la la la, la you know Uh, and sort of did that for about two and a half years and then just sort of I couldn't get back to that mindset Mm. that first year and looking back sort of now what made the difference was sort of community and connection and because Mm. I'd like I'd had a little kind of network in soberistas that first time but because I'd gone backwards and forwards I never felt truly in it again Mm -hmm. um and then I set up my Instagram account and was started making friends around the world and was just like you know what I'm done and I read Annie Grace that time and was just like yeah Mm. so that's it and so that's been like three over three years
0: so you two knew each other at that point at the point when you opened your Instagram you'd met in Soberistas is that right
2: um well I so because when I first started I went on Soberistas back in 2012 it was really small and then it just went (laughs) and Kate joined in 2013. So when I started going back I would look try and find people that I recognize and I recognized Kate's little symbols she had like a hello kitty um little thing and i yeah, remember my avatar yeah your avatar thing. and so i remember like i really liked her writing and i remember sort of engaging with her so i started stalking her basically i was like Hi. <laughs> i, I so. used to be on here do you remember me she's like oh yeah sure i know like, <laughs> yeah. and then she set up a little group um when was it in december 2016 16 she set up a little group for christmas and there was about thirteen people and then that's when we sort of really started chatting and mm. I started hard stalking, you know.
3: So I had my your I like your hat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Like your music
2: taste. <laughs> <page. laughs> oh dear! Oh, I'm Hi. so glad you both met, though. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. We actually met when we started doing the podcast. We'd never met in real life. No, no way! Really. Oh my God. Yeah. You see, when I met you, Mandy, at the Mindful Drinking Festival, I
0: obviously didn't know. I'd, I'd not been that long sober, really, less than a year. So, like, I knew of Love Sober because Lisa had said. Follow love sober. You know, this is what you follow
1: love sober. I had a list of things to do. Oh. drinking, ready for her. You must do this, 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 yeah. never oh. do this. <laughs> <laughs> and read the passage the book.
0: This is what you do, Alex. Kate said. <laughs> so, no, she she basically said follow love sober. So, when I met you, after obviously, uh, and Simon had said to me, get Kate or Mandy or Kate and Mandy on the panel when we were going to have our live event, which is how many- Yes. Yeah. And then, so I guess, really, I just presumed that you two were like us two and had known each other your whole lives. I just took that for granted because I thought, oh, friends, like that. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of new, but you're such close friends as well as working colleagues. How did Love Sober come about?
3: Mm. Well, I had started the blog. So I'd been blogging, um... I was working with a coach and I was, yeah, I was really trying to make the, you know, that was, I was done and this was it. So, and I knew that at that point I really wanted to work. I wanted to write a book right? and I wanted to be sober for life. And I was trying to work out how to live with like congruence, if if you know what I mean, like I really really wanted to. It's like I can't I, I can't not do that. You know when you get that thing about like when you're sober and you just know what shit needs to be sorted out. So I was working with a friend of mine called Sarah, who I also met on Sobristas. Who's a brilliant coach, and she started coaching me. So I went along to the coaching academy. Um, two-day thing uh we had no money and i was like i've got to do it so i was like okay and she was also saying well look if you want to write a book and if you want to be visible you're going to have to come out from behind the smoke screen of so baristas and go public and again this is like 2016 so it's going back to years. And it was really, it was quite different then. It was mm. still scary for me. And the only reason I was really scared was because of the other school moms. I thought that there'd be a lot of judgments. I live in a small town that they wouldn't let my kids play. They wouldn't let their kids play with my kids. Like I was already having difficulties because my son is, you know, on the spectrum and. We were already, we had difficulties connecting with people, you know, on play dates and stuff. So it was that. So, but I was like, okay. And I remember just thinking I wanted to write a blog called Love Sober because it was like I wanted to do something positive. And I remember just getting this like WordPress site up and my my husband took some photos. He went out in Brighton and he just took this picture of me against this yellow and red wall and went, oh, you could use that for your website. And then that's where the colours came from, isn't it? We got stuck with those colours because of that photo. <laughs> 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 that became that. Um, basically, so I just started writing a blog and it and I went, head pressed and it went public and I think then Mand was able to kind of look at the website, like the vibe. So it was literally that moment for me that I was, I came out from hiding and that is such a beautiful message for me and something to remember. And, and the thing is that, you know, that whole thing about when you like, if you're stuck in that people pleasing, like we so often are and we're hiding, we're trying to fit in. It means our real people can't find us. Mm. So it was a real beautiful proof of that, that actually being authentic and like, being a bit vulnerable and going, Oh my God, for a week, like I'm panicking. Like we, we found each other, didn't we? Yeah. And then, and then it was Mandy's idea to do a podcast. So she said to me, we started chatting and she said, do you found there's no English podcast at the time? She was lic- listening to American podcasts. Do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, Absolutely. Let's go for it. I've never listened to a podcast. I was like, hell yeah, like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Let's do <laughs> it. Like a good idea. Like why the fuck not? Excuse my French and swearing again. <laughs> and um and so then we were like yay, and then we were like oh how do we do it? were not we? Yeah. Yeah. So we just started talking on Skype and trying to record it, and my husband helped us with the recording equipment. Well, at the beginning, it was my
2: mate Jamie, wasn't it? So, yeah. It was Jamie first, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine um, who sadly passed away a year ago, um, he he used to be a music producer, and actually he had a very sort of challenging life, and he'd been in prison and stuff like that and when he was in prison he'd done a lot a lot a lot of kind of art therapy and a lot of music therapy and he one of the things he wanted to do was kind of when he came out was to sort of apologize to everyone that he'd ever
0: mm.
2: you know armed and he was like my boyfriend when I was like 17 or something um and he was really horrible to me at the time um, and so he sent me this message randomly this message sort of saying all right you know I just want to I thought about you, you know, and you were always like a good person in my life. And like, um, and I just wanted to say sorry. And so we started get we started chatting again, um, which was really nice and sort of talked about loads of stuff and, you know, and he was so happy to be out and kind of to see the blue sky. And he send me all these pictures of blue sky. So it was a really beautiful kind of moment for, for, for us. And, um, and he, um, yeah and so he he had a track called recovery randomly which is the music at the beginning and um he was he sent us loads and loads of different tracks and he was like just choose whichever one you want and um And so he produced it for a while at the beginning and it was so bad at the beginning. Like it would take him like three days of like trying to like, so apologies to anyone that listens to the beginning. (laughs) They are as good as they, uh, they could be because it was literally like us two in our kitchens with like the worst sound and everything like that. Um, but yeah, sadly he, he had a heart attack and passed away. But, and so then Kate's husband took over and was doing all our tech, um, and that was like quite stressful because it's like within a marriage, which is <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> no. So luckily now we do it on our own. Like we 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 yeah. produce it through Zencaster, which is like yeah, my hair's still here. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it was it was so bad. <laughs> At one point, I started paying him just to do. <laughs> 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 I was like, let me just pay him a bit of money every month, like that. It can kind of manage the the relationship, so there's not a divorce about doing the podcast. So, yeah, this Love is yeah. sober. A good hate business. marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Sober. Sorry, Dave. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Not,
0: it's not the same, same. But honestly, the way you've set up your podcast, we used my music producer friend to do it. Yeah. Our we yeah, thankfully I wasn't married to him, mind you. Or, um, and yeah. Up, but yeah, he had to teach me how to write down step-by-step instructions on how to record the podcast, how to cut, how to edit, how to do. Mm. And
1: Lisa, oh, don't show me that. <laughs> show me. So that's I can't read me in instructions my on anything. Me. I can't. Mental block. <laughs> it doesn't matter how small the instructions are. I, I can't read them. I'm no, me too. Me, I can't. <laughs> yeah,
0: flat packs. No. No. I love a flat pack. Oh, I know you have a flat pack, man. a bridge, Give me a set of rules, I'm happy. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> <laughs> so I don't, like,
1: don't do
2: have flat pack on my own. Oh, it's like a puzzle. I'd yeah. like to follow a method, please. I'm
0: <laughs> 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 <Sado laughs> in the corner over
3: here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's so true. So yeah, so that's, that's how... Mm. again yeah, so then Kate had told me that she'd been working on a book, idea and she'd actually sort of had some interest and then she decided to sort of put it aside because the deals that she'd been <laughs> given weren't you know weren't good enough weren't like yeah um and so she was like sort of, then she sort of said well do you want to work on the book with me so that was that and so then we were like okay cool and then we just sort of decided we we're like right let's just work together and then yeah. obviously she was she was doing her coaching I was doing my coaching.
3: Um, it, nothing about it we've said this before haven't we we, hadn't, we didn't have a plan for any of it it just, it, it just sort of happened and we oh, have got someone at the door <laughs> <laughs> we're really sorry
0: the
1: dog's going right. really mad hey you know oh, what the funny thing I is we've got a <laughs> dog on the podcast sorry we you Let's mute mute for a
0: second. <laughs> but yeah we always have lisa's dog on our podcasts and if he's not barking or scratching he's making really bad smells. and we spend we spend ages you see it every now and again i think on the video oh it's and you awesome. see your ages like, going... <laughs> <laughs> like dodgy faces you keep thinking it's touchscreen it's not touchscreen oh because we're on your computer not mine.
3: yeah <laughs> um, yeah. So where? No. Yeah, so sorry about that. Someone delivered something. Um, yeah. Awesome. No. We didn't have a plan for it. No. We just. It just. Seemed to work. You know. We've just. And then we were like, well, let's do some, you know, we wanted to do courses. We wanted to, and then it was like, I think we sat down, didn't we? And we were like, what do we want to, what's our five-year dream? What's our one-year dream? And it was like, basically it grew and it was like, well, we want to create a space for women. And we want to want to do like lots of different, like it was basically provide the support that we didn't have. Mm. So be it some coaching, some courses, but, you know, just all of that. and Different price ranges as well, because that's what's so hard, because it's like, yeah, it's really we hard. get it.
2: It's like, you know, when your demographic is, is and the people that you want to support are, are mm. mums, you know, are super stressed out. It's like they don't have a lot of money, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's like, but we we need to earn a living too. So it's like, right, what can we do? How can we can diversify as much as possible and try and just, have something that will reach someone so it's like okay the podcast is free like the community's extremely low price like the book then you've got you know the courses at different levels you know and then there's kind of one-to-one coaching and it's just trying to do I mean we we are a CIC so the a community interest company so that when we've got a moment next year the kind of big plan is to go for funding, and then, funding. Can and then we try and we can yeah help yeah, we people can. as much as possible because it's it's never been about yeah, it's it, as Kate said, it's really organically grown just out of the sort mm. of place of wanting to help, really. Yeah. Um, and do it in in the way that kind of doesn't... I mean, we need to... because We need to, <laughs> to earn a living, but it's yeah, not the yeah. driving force. You yeah, know, it's a really difficult balance. But I think if you're a good person, I really believe it's like if you're... And you've got a good heart, it will just all hopefully
1: work out. No, yeah. it, it will do and I, I think together you're just amazing. I really love it. The same with our sober we think you were amazing. Yeah, we, we were giving that out at the beginning oh. and People just weren't doing it the same. Sometimes, you know, now there's a charge for it, and that charge for it yeah. actually funds all the free talks that we do in the rehab centers and the podcast, everything that we do. Yeah, that's it. More committed as well by yeah. actually a small, nominal yeah, 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 definitely. So yeah. I think you've got to do it sometimes, and you've got to live, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it is, it's like. Well, it's just trying to touch all
2: bases, really, you know, like, and, you know, c- consistently kind of grow and look at different areas and, yeah. you know, and, and sort of, I mean, we're really interested. We did a talk with ICADS, which is like the International Conference of Addiction and Associated Disorders. And that was really interesting because they wanted to bring someone, you know, on the, that's actually in <laughs> on the, the ground people, you know like mm. they realize that there's this disconnect going on you know and and so it, it is it's trying to just get in at all levels and just mm. have a chat and just go you know what maybe yeah.
3: do this and do you really but it's also yeah. like looking at the 360 isn't it it was like we we felt I feel passionately and you, and you feel passionately about changing the conversation mm. of calling the bullshit of calling alcohol what it is of stop you know like you know we were talking on uh, when i was talking on women's hour there was an amazing it professor food. glass oh thank you glasgow <laughs> university carol elmsley i think she is amazing and she was saying that we need an independent review body for alcohol in this you know there are things that need to happen yeah at, at policy level so You know, we want to get involved in that. We want to be like helping mums, but we also want to be changing the conversation and being active so that it's not because for too long it's just been like you're told as an individual there's something wrong with you. Yeah, And it's like, hang on a minute, you have created this monster that we're all supposed to take part in, and then you you get blamed when When you're like, actually, this isn't working for me. And you get actively discouraged from getting it, get rid of your life so it's like okay there's some bigger conversation there's lots of conversations to be had here Um, i guess we want to provide that space for people and to you know it's like that telling stories in safe spaces we have our individual recovery don't we we have our individual pathways that that somehow need healing because life is impactful there's a social conversation there's there's all and there's a brilliant conversation about you're going to feel so much better and this is what your life can look like. It's like... So true. So it's all of that. It's all of that. And it's all kind of exploding in our heads as we then try and piece it all together, right? I think that's a fair summary of it. <laughs> it really is. We were on um, BBC Radio in Manchester. Was it
0: last week? Yeah, yeah it was last, last week. week. And as part of when we were on there, they'd had a doctor on before us to open the show. And like the doctor was saying, you know, well, if, if you've got a drink problem, then maybe you need to do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lisa and I were just the like... The doctor going. enjoyed a drink every night. He did say that. Yeah, he did. I haven't got to wear Yeah. yeah. It's like that. How <laughs> are you going? It's all neutral, is it?
0: It's still, no matter what we're... I mean, it is going to change. I am confident it's going to change. So this isn't kind of a half-empty statement I'm making. But no matter what we're doing at the moment, there's still very much the belief that it's those people who have the issue Mm. and then the few that don't, or the many that don't, actually. Mm. That's just not reality. Most people that I speak to, first of all, they feel the need to justify why they still drink to me even when I don't ask, which suggests (laughs) to me that... They've got some sort of internal battle going on, however small that might be. And yeah, you just, we just need to blow this wide open and mm. looking at what it really is. This is an addictive drug. And yeah. to do with the person taking it. It's just that some people are a little bit more predisposed to it, I guess. And mm. I remember, like you were saying, is the social aspect, there's the trauma aspect. Mm, make it more likely yeah it's got to be it's got to stop being looked at in isolation as a personal problem it's yeah yeah. I mean
2: I've been doing some kind of recovery coaching training you know to look at sort of on that on on that scale of kind of treatment centers and looking at you know you know addictions pure (laughs) and it's like you know, alcohol is one of the only dr- drugs you can die from detoxing from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's wow. like, what's going on here that this is like the most normalized one? Right. Whereas if you you know that it's, and so, and, and also when you're, you're looking at that place where there's, there's no power, when, when someone truly is powerless in their addiction, whatever that looks like, it's like there was so many missed opportunities yes. to catch them beforehand like, yeah. how many times that, uh, do we sit in forums and sit in? Oh, I feel a bit emotional about this, but yeah, you know, when you sit in forums or you sit in conversations and, and people say, I went to my doctor, I went to my therapist, oh, and gosh, they yeah. said this, and it's like yeah. it only and for me it was very much like, you know, I, I live in France that has a free healthcare system, which is amazing. Like, I had holistic care I was put on antidepressants I was sent to a therapist I had free yoga for fuck's sake like I had you know EMDR I had anything that I needed in terms of my mental health plan you know I am no different to someone that's on the streets you know but I just got help and I had support and I just I truly truly believe that and it really upsets me because it's like there's still this thing of like, it's them and, oh, they're weak or they can, it's like, no, they had no support. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I no think one said
2: what's, what's happened to you, darling? Like, what's mm-hmm. gone in, in your life for you to be where you are? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, so I just... Uh,
0: and, know, I, and
3: I think that, um, early. You, you know, that cool. is, and the, but that's, that's, you know, that I think links back to everything that we try and do in, with our work is early intervention. It's like that's the scary word, and making a fabulous choice for yourself when you have loads of agency and loads of opportunity is the non-scary word. They're both the same thing. They're kind of early intervention, right? Yeah, of the of alcohol use disorder spectrum, which at the bottom end will be dependency and is progressive. So it's like, yeah, let's work, let's 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 have the chat earlier. I think would be our. Yeah, You know, is our hope and our dream, isn't it, in all of our work? And to make it fun, because like, I don't want to do it if it's not fun. Yeah, um, I do do it and I don't mind doing it because there's the light in the shade. But actually, it is fun. <laughs> yeah, let's have a good time. So, <laughs> to get together, speaking of fun. As yeah, we've got our spa time. <laughs> going out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's like, the other thing. It's the rebrand, isn't it? It's the rebrand of sobriety going. That's let's have. Let's, let's see what it really is. And that's what the work that you're doing is amazing. You know, when the social club in like Club soda and soberistas, and you know, like all of and Millie, sober girl society for the younger ones and it's like a, a positive model of sobriety and where we're connected and we feel better
2: yeah and, and that's it it's like that kind of you know I think there is still a disconnect between kind of traditional versions of you know models which work for some people and then kind of the, you know the old school and the new school as our friend Rose would say you know and it's like let's just get to a point where it's like person specific you know and that's why we're so about collaboration because it's like yeah someone might come to us and I can mm. te- you know get them on the call and I'll be like you know what I just don't think we're the right fit we're not yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah go and we're see so Simon let's... go and see sober experiment or go and see you know these are the yeah. people go and do the you know like Annie Grace's that's your thing mm. and it's like let's just rather than all sitting in different places going my methodology. it's like just listen to the person yeah and go I don't. There's more options. The right for you. Thing yeah. For you. Why don't you try this? Or vice versa. Or like you. You want to do the twelve steps? Fantastic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's my yeah. dream that we can all just. No, but we say that. We
0: say that. You know, yeah. there's no competition in this because yeah, everybody's like, offering something different, and it's very personal. It's a very personal. As well as it community, really is, it's a very yeah. personal experience. Yeah. yeah. So you know what, yeah. I've been dying to rip off your end of your podcast with you two. I can't wait. I want to know what you two love about so much. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um having what do know
2: about Oh my gosh. So, I love yes, you know, how that question is, Mandy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love being a better mum. I really do. Like that's the biggest growth area and not even just the patient things like I'm so stupid now whereas so serious when I was drinking and it's such a like you know mm-hmm. sort of the opposite of what you think yeah I'm so serious and so like don't do that do this do that you know because I was in control all the time and now I'm like such a dick all the time <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they love it as much as I love it but no I mean they do, And just having honest conversations with them. You know, my daughter's 14. She's on Instagram. She's reading everything I do. We've had some very sort of serious chats about my life. And it's like, that's freaking liberating for her to be. Yeah, it's amazing. You know what? Like, whatever happens to me in my life, uh, there's no secrets, you know? So that would be mine. Oh,
3: that's
2: a lovely
0: one. to you.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I think for me, I... I felt really rubbish for a really, really long time. Like a lot of my life, i really struggled. And I've spoken about that disconnect with myself, which was actually incredibly painful. It was a painful place to be. And so I lurched from one busyness to another, to one form of disconnect to another. I don't know if this will make sense, but I feel like... sobriety literally allowed me to live it just mm-hmm. allows me to live in it and it. it is the fundamental piece of my self-care which it, it's everything it's like it literally mm-hmm. is, is my connection to me and it's sacred <laughs> I don't know oh, I, get I, I get mean, it I get I
1: get both of them mm. kids you two give me goosebumps every time I I've <laughs> goosebumps.
0: Um, we, honestly, Aww. and genuinely from a really genuine place, we absolutely love both of oh, yeah. we oh, love we you. We love you too. No, Not I only as like peers in this community, but you know, we've made a great friendship with you both. Yeah. You've been a fantastic support at one time or another to both of us, personally and, you know, professionally. And we just, this book... If you anyone watching has not got this, don't book, lose my page. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> if you bought this book, if you do not know what you're missing. Please buy this book. And oh, hello, Mandy and Kate, amazing. where can they find you?
3: Lovesober.com.
0: Yeah, and your Instagram, uh, love sober.cic
3: yeah but everything really we do is on lovesober.com and that, yes. that's that got links to everything else so that's probably the easiest place yeah we'll
0: put a link on the write up as well to make sure people can find you it's been lovely catching up.
3: yeah thank you I feel quite emotional now it's oh, like, oh, you. I really, did. Enjoyed, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it
0: and we'll get this one we're going to put this one out this week hopefully isn't oh, it? amazing, oh, amazing.
3: So, yeah thank you so much Bob. thanks, thanks so loves bye Bye. See you later, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye bye. Bye Charles.